the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 114, recorded Friday, October 25th, 2013. Faces for Radio. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. It's time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. It says so right there on the lower third. Uh, if you're watching this, this is the first ever, it may be the last, uh, Google Hangout version of AV Week. Uh, that's important because uh, Google Hangout is kind of a, a, a product of AV Week. Uh, or no, AV Week is a product of Google Hangouts. Let's continue on. Please, <laughs> this whole video thing is screwing me up. Uh, first up is Dawn Mead. She is A.V. Dawn. She is the uh, social maven, the um, marketing coordinator for uh, NetAV and also the host of A.V. Social. Welcome, ma'am. Thank you. It's a little disconcerting seeing myself on screen. But... Sorry. Uh, also with us is George Tucker. He is the uh, engineering coordinator for World Stage, and he does an awful lot here uh, at uh, AV Nation. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Good to see you all. Good to see you as well, sir. Uh, also with us, the youngin of the group, he is Matt Scott. The token Canadian is what his lower third says, but if you ask other Canadians, he's the world's worst Canadian. He also um, <laughs> he also uh, has a company called Omega Audio Video. How are you, brother? I'm pretty good. Good. Awake. Awake is good for 2 o'clock in the afternoon, or 3 o'clock Eastern, Eastern time. It's 2 o'clock oh, in the real world. It's like th- no, no, it's 3.30 in the real world. Okay, whatever. Good try. How many uh, people know there's a central time tonight? Last you don't live in central? No one. The Cardinals live in the central. All right, that's all I got. Um, and last but not one. least uh, is Michael, get three more. Michael Drainer <laughs> from Sennheiser, USA, and he's has he's wearing sunglasses for some reason. Because I wear my sunglasses at night. It's not night. All right. Uh, this week we're going to talk about Kramer. Um, also, wireless audio and how the FCC may not be screwing things up, which would be a plus uh, for them. What kind of cabling is going to take us into the future? And really, t- we're talking about not the 1080p, not necessarily 1080p deep color, but really where we're headed, which is 4K and 8K, and if you believe them, 16K, which is scary, the fact that I've already heard that term. Uh, also, talk about uh, cables to go, uh, a new initiative that they're launching. But first, if you missed it, uh, Apple has a new iPad. Yay! Woo-hoo! iPad. Uh, it's called the iPad Air, which, first of all, immediately scared the you know what out of me because I thought, oh, good Lord, they made an entirely cloud based device. <laughs> so, was I the only one that thought that initially? Like, when, like, holy cow. Yeah, you were. I was the only person. You are okay. Yeah. Lovely. All right. Well, anyhow, uh, it's so it's called the the iPad Air. It's it's the new iPad, right? Um, because the iPad three technically was not called the iPad three. It was what was it called the new iPad or or just the updated iPad, whatever it was. Um, the new iPad. It was go. It was the new iPad. Well, this so, the new new, new iPad, new the iPad, iPad four now. I guess if mm-hmm. you don't count the mini as as a, a derivative um, in the in the well, line. It's a standalone product line. It's a mini. It's a stupid product line. Uh, they, they, kind of, yeah, tell that to the phablet people. Come yes, on. I know. Uh, so here's the deal. It's still going to be five hundred bucks. Uh, they're still going to sell the the old iPad two for four hundred bucks. Sixteen gig model for five hundred bucks if you want it with the cellular, uh, which I do know some people that, that really really got into that. Uh, Six thirty roughly. Here's the thing though, guys. Not only this tablet itself, but others like it uh, are pushing more and more into. AV and more and more into bring your own devices and stuff like that. Uh, Don, is this just another one of, of Apple's you know forward thinking things? And, and are we going to be seeing more and more of these uh, devices in our AV installations? We're definitely going to keep seeing more and more BYOD mm-hmm. and these sort of devices in our installations. I just think it's funny that that Apple continues to completely ignore the presence of all of its competitors. Um, 
which are not iProducts, um, the, the Android-based tablets. And, um, you know, outside of the actual tablet market, Android is the leader, like 70% of the world's cellular and, and phone and smartphone market. They're all Android-based. And right. I think the tablets are the only thing that Apple's leading, and it's getting close. So I, I just think it's funny they're not lowering their prices, and they're not really, like, they're, they're pretending the rest of the world of tablets doesn't even exist. So I, I, I just... They don't tablets will be there. The, the little guy in the back mine. of the room they wants to talk. To care. <laughs> they, they make, and you guys all know I'm a big Apple fan. No. But no I know. know, shocking. When you look at the tablet really? data use market share, it's like 70% of all tablet network use is on an iPad. Currently. The, yeah, yeah, but that's ridiculous. And when you well, look but, at when you look at phones, Apple makes what now two models, two. Samsung makes 120, and they sold nine million in their first weekend. So riddle me this though, Matt: Why did Mr. Cook spend at least a third of the presentation? making fun of their competitors by name and by image. They never do that. They now spend an inordinate amount of time at their presentations yeah. going, unlike our competitors. Cook's a bit of an interesting... Job. So, yeah, I don't, I, I I don't think little... that's a personality quirk of just his. It's a corporate no, no, thing. No, it is a bit of a corporate thing, but it's because everyone goes after them. <clears throat> so they're finally starting to play that game, too. I'm going to be like your mother. Does that make it right? No. I'm not saying it makes it right, but I think they're just doing a... I don't necessarily like the way they're going after everybody else. I think it's a little foolish, but I do agree that, in all reality, they can go after everybody. Yes, there's more Android devices out there, but how many devices are we talking about? Like, they make... Like, love it or hate it, they make one product in each category, pretty much, and they kill the market with one product. Show me a car company that could make two cars. Heck, make ten cars and kill a market segment. Tesla. Nobody does that. Tesla. Yeah, because who else competes against Tesla? No one. No, and to, to, like, to your point, though, Matt, very, here's the thing, though. You, you, what you're, you're bringing up, though, in the U.S., the iOS device is the dominant uh, phone singular operating system, right? Uh, yes. Singular phone. It is not the most popular OS, however, Android yeah. is. No. And where we are with tablets is where iPhone and iOS was three years ago, four years ago, where they were the dominant one, right? And yeah. Apple played no, their game, and Apple played the game of the 1980s, where we're going to hold everything, and, and nobody can do our do anything without asking us, and we have to approve everything, and, and which creates for a great user experience. What it doesn't do, though, is it doesn't foster innovation and doesn't give people the opportunity to try new things. And that's what happened with the phone. Android is the most prevalent um, operating system for phones, not only in the U.S., but also throughout the world. And I'm afraid that eventually that will be the case when it comes to tablets. Oh, it probably will be. But again, it, it comes down to Apple's philosophy, which we've talked about many times on the show. They're not the philosophy of, hey, let's open this all up and everybody screw around and do what you want. This isn't the build-your-own-PC market that they cater to. They cater, like, for heaven's sakes, look at the price points of their products. They cater to that super, you know, high-end, affluent-type clientele that buy their product, and they don't care. They want it to work out of the box. They don't want to screw with it. They don't want to play with it. And, yeah, will innovation suffer a little bit? Possibly, but again, their main customer base isn't the ones using that or doing that type of innovation. What about the the deal where you have to have an a, an Apple device to actually make an app for Apple? I mean, come on, it's not like uh, Microsoft or Google are saying you know you have to write this on on a Microsoft OS for for uh, the uh, mobile uh, Windows or for Android. You have you don't have to write it on a Chromebook. Uh, that's right. one thing that's a little bit irritating as well. But, for example, with Kindle and stuff like that, you have to export it directly into their format. Yes, that's right? that's one. That's Kindle for crying out loud. It's, it, Kindle, no, no, no. Kindle is not Android. Android is not Kindle. It, yes, not, it's I'm built not, on the Android app uh, operating system, but it's not entirely. It's their right. own wrapper. It's, what do you want me to say to that? I want you to say like that I'm I, right and you're wrong. 
<laughs> well, you asked the question, dude. You did Come ask on. it. I asked. All right, moving on. You did. What do you want me to say? No, well, I do have something to say yes. to that though. And in defense of our fair Canadian friend, oh, my don't. question is though, how? Who do we think the AV integrators will use for AV installs? Android, Apple, the rest. By far, right now, Apple wins it by design and by features. Yep. It just it just is. Regardless of what everybody else is using, when it comes to adding that BYOB or that BYOD, excuse me, not beer, the device. I need beer. It's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> it's yeah, exactly. <laughs> Have two. Um, who's going to put it in? And by design wise, those Android and the Windows tablets don't look nearly as nice as the Apple stuff does with the uh, the, the knowledge and the user experience. Well, and so. here's, here's the here's one of the side points to that is one of the reasons they are so prevalent is because you know if you spec an iPad it's a stinking iPad there's nothing else if you spec a tab like just a, an Android tablet is that going to be a Samsung is that going to be an Acer is that going to be a Toshiba is that going to be whoever else is making the tablet when they as manufacturers for example Crestron or you know RTI or AMX or any of the control guys, when they make apps for your, you know, tablets, whatever, they make one and they guarantee it's going to work across the board through all the supported iPads. They're not dealing with different screen resolutions, different blah, 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 that comes when you buy everything else. Until the new one comes out. Well, yeah, <laughs> and you're dealing with new connectors. That's the same and in new... everything else, though. Yes. All right. It, and I think we beat honesty, that one down. I'm 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 yeah. done talking about Apple now. You're done talking. Moving on. Let's 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 move on to something a little more more positive. Tim, you wound him up. Come on now. Um, LG. <laughs> I, well, yeah, I started. And it was it was the biggest technology story of the week, arguably. I would think. And, I, mean, and last I think. Week. Yes. I think it's the most overlooked part of that whole announcement. What's that? The the iPad was. As much as I love iPads, I think it was the smallest part of the the whole event they they held. What was the biggest part of it? The fact that they did an an OS upgrade for free. Mm. They made yeah the iWork for free and cloud compatible across the board. That's a direct shot at Google Apps, mm. and in all honesty, it's a much better looking product than Google Apps is. So if the functionality is what they said it was going to be, which it usually is, that's going to be a serious contender, especially for guys that are Mac-based. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I, will, I will have to give it to them. That that they gave an, an update for free for the first time. How much was your last Windows update? Uh, it was called Ubuntu, and it was free. So, uh, <laughs> moving on. That was for Anthony Zotti. Uh, <laughs> LG display posts lower revenue, higher profits. In the age of Mitsubishi getting out of projector, uh, because they can't make any money. Sharp being on the ropes because they can't make any money uh, making displays. LG is posting lower revenue but higher profits. George, we'll start with you on this one. Uh, what exactly is LG doing right that, uh, yeah, they're, they're making, they're technically making less money because of lower revenue, but they're actually making more on the bottom line? Well, exactly that, right? They're actually focusing on the products that make the money that they have a market foothold in, and that's what they're going to focus on. This is what businesses do when they overexpand and they need to retract, going, it was nice to get ourselves known in those markets, but it didn't really hold. So let's go back to what we know. Let's say, no, 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 we, I don't care if you have an order for a million of these plasmas, that's not going to make me money. Come back to me with 10 million. Otherwise, nope, we're just going to do what we focus on and, and reorg and, and make it right. I think it's a very wise move on their part. Don, is it is it does it help the fact that LG is not maybe in the in like the front runner like Sharp was for a while and now Samsung is trying to be that they've been able to kind of uh, hone their own skills and, and and find this this sweet spot? Well, I mean, anytime you're at the front runner in any industry, ask Apple that you you have a big old target on your back, so. You know, it, it gives them more flexibility than when you're the market leader and everybody's staring at you to figure out what exactly you're doing. Um, I, I think it's fantastic that, that they're able to figure out not just which products to focus on, but also, I mean, there has to be some level of 
of improving their productivity, improving their um, their processes within within their organization to get that level of revenue increase in this day and age. I mean, it, or I mean, in uh, profit increase in this day and age. So you know, kudos to their business team, whoever's making those decisions. And you you asked uh, what they're doing right. I wish I knew. I'd bottle it up and sell it and make a whole <laughs> lot of money. I will say this: the LG has been one of my favorite displays for a while. It, it first it was because. Uh, they, they had a nine pin. They had a DP nine on the back. They were one of the first one, the first displays that we could control, and their control protocols were not ungodly horrific. They weren't as easy as Extron's, but they were pretty. They were pretty simple. Uh, Mr. Drainer, is this? Uh, is it? What? What is LG doing right here? Everything. I, I mean, anytime you can uh, go down the road of profitability over revenue, I'll take that all day long. Um, I can't say exactly what they're doing right, but they're definitely making the right decisions. And the numbers speak for themselves. I mean, they're talking about the increase of profit. Um, You know, quarter three decreased by 13%, but then, you know, they're expecting tremendous growth coming in, even with the revenue drop. So, um, you know, we're looking up, you know, 10, 20% increase in profit, even though we're losing on the revenue side. That's not a bad thing. Mm -mm. No, it's not. Uh, Matt, when it, do you do any any LG? I mean, it's it's it typically is uh, display you know uh, digital signage type type applications, uh, but when it comes to residential or house of worship, I mean, are they how big of a player are they? Um, they're becoming a bigger player, uh, just because they've started to produce some much better looking panels that uh, you know consumers are looking for. It used to be if you didn't sell Panasonic, Sony, or Samsung, nobody wanted to buy from you. Uh, but LG's really, you know, made some some really good inroads. We see a lot more demand for it. Uh, we are a dealer for it, and you know, it, it has been doing fairly well in the residential world. Uh, and signage, yeah, their digital signage panels are second. Well, not second to none, but they're really good. Yeah, they're they're pretty well up there. Panasonic panels are still really. Panasonic, up. and also NEC panels are, are pretty. Yeah, the NECs slight. are beautiful. And for plasma, their stuff is very difficult to beat. And for OLED, yeah. they're out the window. <laughs> Isn't that right, Don? OLED, OLED. Actually, are they still make manufacturing the Because pl- for the longest time, it was only them and Panasonic that were actually manufacturing the glass. For so plasma. I haven't heard that they're yeah. getting out of it. Um, but the the line seems to, at least here, seems to be slowly decreasing. Yeah, I, I don't think that they're. I don't think they're actively. You know, no. No. And I'm still waiting around for my OLED. Uh, moving on from uh, his, his 3D OLED. No, not 3D. Just plain old 3D, simple 16K. OLED. 16K. That's right. Yeah, 16K. You can roll up. 16K OLED. And I want it for five hundred dollars. That's it. From this is something that Mr. Canadian Canadian doesn't have to worry about yet. Uh, wireless microphone spectrum. Oh, good lord. Uh, SVC online. Uh, um, we're going to talk. The story comes from them. Uh, they start out with a very interesting quote. We're going to start with Michael, Mr. Uh, wireless Mike here. To quote Thomas Jefferson, eternal vigilance is the price of liberty in the pursuit of sufficient RF spectrum to meet the national broadcast plan. The Federal Communications Commission, FCC, is charged with creating significant open bandwidth to meet society's insatiable demand for wireless Internet access. Okay, I get that. Boo. But no, don't don't boo that. (laughs) However, um, that comes at a price, Mr. Wireless Microphone. Uh, here's the thing. The FCC, I thought, was on the right path here, right? They, they were on I, what I perceived to be our side in the fight, uh, the court case against Verizon, where they were saying, you know, um, you, know you, you can't do this. And now they're, they're flipping sides again. What should the FCC do when it comes to wireless spectrum for wireless microphones? So Representative Bobby Rush, who's a, an Illinois Democrat right here in the state where we're located, He's introduced a, a bill to the House, and it's uh, H.R. 2911, the Wireless Microphone Users Interference Protection Act. And basically what he's pushing to do is to secure bandwidth that's dedicated to wireless microphone users across the United States. So after the FCC transition out of 700 megahertz, and it pushed all of our wireless microphones down into the lower bands, there were two television channels in each market that were allocated for wireless microphone use down in the 600 and the 500 megahertz bandwidths or ranges. Under current uh, proposals, the FCC is looking to auction off additional bandwidth in the 600 megahertz band to make this available for broadband users, mm-hmm. okay, to continue to expand that uh, to the public use. 
So what Representative Rush is looking to do is to guarantee that there will always be at least 12 megahertz of space available in every market for wireless <laughs> microphones. And I think that's definitely a positive thing. If 1200, uh, 12 megahertz is not enough, then it's going to be up to the individuals to license space for their major productions if they need something more than that. Now, I, I think part of this is uh, an education issue with the FCC because for the longest time they thought that wireless microphones were just a use of broadcast. They didn't really understand the impact that these changes would have across the nation in houses of worship and education and government facilities. Mm -hmm. So so this has really become a, an issue of managing this bandwidth and making sure we can secure enough for all these areas. I, I think that, that uh, Representative Rush is on the right track and he's looking to garner sponsorship from other representatives uh, to get this bill pushed through Congress to make sure that no matter what the FCC does, we're gonna have guaranteed at least 12 megahertz of bandwidth in every market. Okay, so let's take it from you. I mean, you're, you're based here in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. he, he's sitting across the street, across the table That's why me. I'm looking over there. Um, <laughs> That's great, right? And, and in St. Louis, the size 22, 23 market depends on, on which day of the week it is. Let's go to market number one. Yep. <laughs> that I mean, lives, New York, LA, Chicago. That lives and breathes. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. You know, not only, you know, live staging and events, which is what Georgia does, mm -hmm. you know, Monday through Friday <clears throat> and twice on Saturday. Uh, but sometimes, but you've also got Broadway. You've got, you know, yep. you've got every major network in the world. Exactly. But you also have this small little thing called the Great White Way. Uh, George, how how are we going to, to manage this? I mean, yes, you you can you can take what Michael's saying, what the FCC should do, but you also got this huge allocation of wireless mics. I mean, e even a small production, uh, you have a half dozen uh, actors or actresses nowadays. You've got a half dozen wireless mics. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's from backstage to look. Even on the Great White Way on Broadway, these theaters are packed back to back to back, mm -hmm. right next to each other, and they're doing 10, 15, 20 channels of. Uh, wireless. We have 48 and 60 in some of those it's venues. On the mid-size you know? yeah. show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's the mid-size show. Yeah. That's nigh on impossible. I mean, the paradigm shift in technology and digital encoding that they're going to have to do to this for it to work, at least here, is is going to be monumental. It is going to be a really tough time. Now, it's an opportunity for people to make money if they can afford it and move on and transition. Mm -hmm. It's a great opportunity, but for us in the field, it's going to be really expensive, and it's going to be a pain in the butt. Look, it's it's putting a pinch on the end users, and and, okay. and for That's that, nice way of putting it. yeah, it, it is. I mean, it, really, they're they're getting the short end of the stick. Now, the manufacturers yeah. were benefiting greatly from this, um, and it's not necessarily what we want. You know, we want our users, and we're advocating for bandwidth, but at the same time, we have to position ourselves and manufacture products that are going to work well in this environment. And Sennheiser, along with some of the other manufacturers, are all working diligently to come up with digital products that work intermodulation free, where you can stack channels right next to each other. Uh, we have a product that's come out like that just recently, the D9000. And, but the problem is it's just so outrageously priced for the typical small theater, they're not going to be able to get there. Major broadcast, major theaters, they're jumping on board hand over foot, and that's great. But as the technology becomes more and more affordable, we're going to start to see the, that trickle down into the mid-sized venues. I just hope that that happens before the FCC makes their transition. Well, that's my question to you. Is, let's say that everything goes as, as Mr. Rush wants it to go, and we, we find a way to do this. How long before that transition can actually roll out to, say, the mid-sized theaters at an affordable rate? I mean, this is a tipping point. Two years? Five years? You know, I, I, a lot of it comes down to market demand and, and what the legislation does. Now, I, I can't speak for other manufacturers. I know that we're working on some stuff right now that, that I, I even I don't have intimate knowledge of. I just know that engineering, product engineering is coming out with some things. They're working on products that are going to be focused to that mid-tier market that are going to be able to work in highly congested spaces with adjacent channel spacing. We're not going to have these intermodulation issues. Um, so, you know, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming fast. And as we know, the FCC doesn't do anything very quick. We're talking about it right now, but we're still looking at two, three, five years out before implementation can actually take place in moving into these broadband devices in that 600 megahertz space. Uh, Michael, you may, might want to listen to this answer. Don, from an integrator standpoint, what do you wish the wireless manufacturers would do, regardless of what the FCC is going to do? What would help you guys kind of mitigate anything that the FCC might do on, on their behalf? 
it's hard to say. I mean, you almost need magically more bandwidth. <laughs> I, 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 I would almost challenge George's assertion. I, I know Broadway is a huge consumer of wireless mics, but being in the D.C., um, yeah. Northern Virginia, Maryland area, yeah. we've got, you know, I don't know what the representative's bill specifically calls for, but if it's only two channels per major market, we've got D.C. and Baltimore overlapping, and then on the other side, we've got Philadelphia overlapping. We've got so much business in this area. We've got, uh, you know, very good theater districts in all those cities that are also using a lot of this, the houses of worship, the schools, the yada yada. But we also have this big thing called the federal government, and they use a lot of bandwidth on a lot of different frequencies. A little bit. You can't ask. <laughs> I about. thought they were still closed. And it sometimes overlaps with our. <laughs> yeah, well, when they're showing up, you never know. There are times we've done installations down in D.C. <laughs> that we get interference from somewhere, and we don't know where it is or what it is, <laughs> and we can't really argue with it. We just have to work around it. So definitely this is one of the more challenging markets to work in. I don't know the answer. If I did again, I'd make a lot of money because I'd sell it to everybody. But I, I just think as long as the, the engineering groups in, in the major ma microphone manufacturers keep working on new technologies, new ways of, of stacking and, and adjusting and, and localizing the, the wireless that they're working on, you know, so we can put a bunch in the same facility or, or next to each other without a lot of interference, that's a huge help. Also, one thing that's been the, the, the companies for, for competitors have been really good about working on this for like the past decade since this whole white space thing came up is just keep lobbying, guys. Mm -hmm. I, I get yeah. your pressers and your and your paid lawyers mm -hmm. and your whoever. Keep lobbying, keep arguing at the FCC and let them know, you know, that they, they don't think about you know, they see wireless technology and, and cell phones and all the apps and, and everything else that we're using as a major market, and it is a major market, but what if you woke up tomorrow and there were no wireless mics? Mm -hmm. No voice lift, no theaters other than old school yelling mm -hmm. at the crowd. Yep. You know, go to a football game and you don't know what the heck is going on because you can't see anything unless you know what all these hand signals mean. I mean, I mean, realistically, people don't think about it. They don't, you take it so for granted that wireless mics are going to be there. Yeah, they and, might not. And be. my concern. So just keep lobbying and, and keep innovating. And one of my big concerns is we know how some of these technology chairs in Congress are. It's mm -hmm. tubes, not a dump truck. They're doing the same thing with wireless. It's just there. Right. There's lots of it. There's lots of it. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, it, yeah. we. It, I'm sure that this representative is very knowledgeable and is trying with the industry to get the knowledge down, but there are many on those those chairs, there are many on those committees who have no bloody clue, and it's you know it's just like their Wi-Fi. But everyone can have one, right? Yeah, it's so it, yes. Well, to well, your point, Don, gotta really push them. And, and keep in mind too, what 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 Representative Rush is pushing for is to secure a minimum of 12 megahertz in each space to make sure that we have mm. something allocated in most markets. And and to go back to what you're talking about, Tim, talking about Broadway and the broadcasters, the major markets, those guys are already licensing a lot of their wireless use as it is. They're setting up reserved space for them to operate, uh, whether it's at Rockefeller Center or if you're in downtown Chicago, it really doesn't matter. They can apply for those licenses, secure that bandwidth outside of this 12 megahertz. So this this bandwidth that we're talking about here is for your typical church, your school, your, your weekly user who's, who's um, not going to necessarily be broadcasting this nationwide, but they need to address their congregation or their auditorium, and they need to make sure they get reliable operation. That's really what this is focused toward. Okay, so then I'll ask you a little more direct question. Should those people register their frequencies? I mean, would it, would it make sense then to for a church or for educational institution to register theirs? I don't think so. I really Why? don't. But you're talking about an absolute administrative nightmare because the thing with wireless microphones is they're portable. They're mobile. You can put them anywhere, right? It's not like a But most churches don't. Most, most churches aren't portable churches. I, and I understand that. But the reality is it can move, okay? okay? And, and we are seeing more and more churches that are mobile. We're seeing more and more schools take their wireless. Your campus, you guys take wireless, and you'll move from one campus over in Edwardsville, mm -hmm. Illinois, to Godfrey, Illinois 
Illinois to uh, Carrollton or, or Carlinville. You move stuff around on a regular basis. So that means you'd have to license a frequency in each one of those locations for the number of channels that you want to allocate. So think about that from an administrative standpoint. The best way to deal with that is what Representative Rush is saying is, look, let's reserve this space. You run your scans, you coordinate your stuff with the people around you, and go have fun. You know, and the manufacturers, all of the manufacturers have made that fairly easy to do at this stage of the game. So for the non-critical applications, you use the 12 megahertz that's available in each market. For critical applications, then you know the big broadcasters, the major shows, they're going to license a certain amount of bandwidth needed for their particular production. They can license it on a per-use basis or they can license it permanently really comes down to what their needs are. Same thing holds true for major sporting events, the NFL, the MLB, yeah, and whatnot. Because um, you've got the wireless intercoms, you've got the, the referees mics, announcers mic, broadcast mics. There's so much, hundreds of channels at any one of those events. You've got to make sure that that's all locked up for those things. So yeah. I, time is going to tell. And, and kind of speaking to Don, I know ourselves, along with all the other manufacturers, we are all lobbying to Congress. We have dedicated representatives who are in Washington on a regular basis lobbying for the rights of wireless microphone users and we're going to keep going down that road and just be patient and we're you know we'll see what happens at the end of the day ultimately it's up to the fcc be patient yeah. uh mr Can mr canadian do you have anything for this or are you, or you guys have plenty of bandwidth no we especially where i'm located we get tons of overspill issues from detroit and buffalo um so this is actually something that we deal with not only in my local church but in a lot of the churches that we work with where you know you, you got to remember that the majority of the Canadian population is within a hundred miles of the U.S. border, and what that means is you know again we spill over. We have the same things that our CRTC does that your FCC does, and they kind of follow suit with what the FCC does. So when you lost all of your bandwidth a couple of years ago, guess what? Ours went away too. Um, I currently not in this room, but in one of my other rooms. I have a bunch of Sure mics that don't work anymore because we get interference. Oh, okay, that's okay. get past that's it. Okay. <laughs> you forgot who you were on the air with. So. No, I know who I'm on the air with. That's, that's why, why he's at it. The brand that I like to use and that we specify consistently. Sennheiser. The other S. The other, yeah, the other I, S. We're, we're working on it. We'll work on it. All right. Uh, you're listening to AV Week. If you're watching the, the, the test run of our Google Hangout, uh, thank you for watching. Uh, but most likely you're listening to this on, on a download. Uh, Matt Scott's here from Omega Audio Video, Michael Drainer from Sennheiser, Don Mead from NetAV, and George Tucker from World Stage. Real quickly, guys, we're going to talk about Kramer, and uh, they have a new new uh, product out, but this leads, leads us to a conversation about wireless high-definition video, which scares me to no end uh, still. And, yes, there are people who are doing it consistently. It, it's still – okay, so let's just read, read the specs, and we'll start the conversation. The KW11 is a transmitter receiver set that sends HDMI signal, my issue number one there, wirelessly up to 40 feet, issue number two, using WHDI technology and is capable of sending uncompressed video resolutions up to 1080p at 60 hertz. George, we'll start with you. First of all, do you believe them? Brundlefly. <laughs> Was that episode number two? Something like that. Pretty much. It still holds true. It's Brundlefly. Now, you know, I'd say about Explain 10 that, feet, please. 20 feet. Well, if anyone doesn't remember Brundlefly, it's from the movie The Fly, in which when a fly gets into the transporter he creates, their DNA mixes, and he becomes part fly. Uh, so you're not really Brundle or, Brundle or Fly, you're Brundlefly. Um, and the the 1990s movie was really good, yes. but it, it's it's a nice element. And and part of what I was looking at when I was looking at it then, and I was looking at it five, uh, but two years ago, I looked at it again. It still is very difficult because I don't want to run wires in my old 1901 Colonial that doesn't have modern framing. It still has slat boards, but it just in, a, in an urban area where I am, it's not going to work that well. Now maybe they'll prove me wrong, and I'd love to see a demo. Please send it to me. But until then. I still have my severe, severe doubts. Get it to work on the Infocom trade floor for five feet, mm -hmm. I'll believe you. Okay, that that's valid, and the reason we, we yeah. say that's valid because that's a trade show floor with with several hundred uh, exhibitors and wireless going yeah. crazy and back and forth. 
Uh, Don, when it comes to installations, George mentions about that you're having, you know, existing installations is one instance here. Um, am I just an old codger, or it, it, are we still are we are we getting there when it comes yes. to wireless video? Oh, be quiet, young whippersnapper! <laughs> I was talking to Don. He's, he's the old codger. <laughs> um, you you know I I don't know the details on this particular Kramer yeah. thing, but I've just recently uh, somebody came into our office and I can't remember the manufacturer off the top of my head. They had a similar product to this. I know Peerless has their AirPlay system that's a very similar thing. Uh, you know, and I can't sit here off the top of my head and, and tell you all the specs on them all. I do know that the AirPlay from Peerless goes like, it can go 40 or 50 feet, and then they have a Big Brother version that goes 100 feet. Uh, I, I can tell you this much, it, the, it works. I won one at a trade show and it's in my bed running uh, HDMI you know, from my satellite receiver in the living room at the rack to the back bedroom instead of putting in a separate receiver. Now, it doesn't work all the time. It's not perfect. It sometimes loses sync. It's glitchy. It's new, and I have a big house. But, like, I I think we're getting there. It's not there yet. I think wireless video will come. But then again, we run into the same kinds of problems, like are we going to have, you know, interference? Are you going to have too many of these in one facility or one area city block that every company has it and then they start you know cross interfering um my own customers probably not going to sell a lot of these but again most of my customers are federal government and they not only have security requirements of having things hardwired they have to in some cases see the hard wires yeah. or, or have them fiber wired so that there's you know no no possibility of interference or getting captured so you know for some of us it's not going to be such a big deal but i i i've seen Corporate people already interested in this, um, you know, the AirPlay, the, the there's some consumer models for home theater use that they sell them at BJ's and Costco. So, um, and, and again, I can't remember the manufacturer, but it, it's coming. It's getting there, and you're not such an old fogey. I mean, you're my age, so you're not an old fogey. Oh! <laughs> that is the only reason Matt I'm Scott not an old fogey. Matt Scott just called Don old. <laughs> but, but, but it's, it's, it's coming. It's coming, and people are demanding it. You know, it's, it's, who you wants know, wires? So it's to be tied down with this stuff. You know, the, the difference is, though, the, the products you're talking about, Don, that we see, especially on the consumer space, they use high levels of compression. They're low bandwidth uh, devices. I, I'm looking at the spec sheet on this right now, and it says the communication frequency is um, 5.1 to 5.9. Now, I don't know if that means it's 800 megahertz worth of bandwidth. It's uncompressed, To yes. deliver that. I mean, that is a tremendous amount of bandwidth and a tremendous amount of opportunity for interference. Um, or and trying you can to cover put that one space. In in right. a five mile square radius. Yes. Right, <laughs> right. So, I mean, think about that. 800 megahertz of bandwidth to transmit that. Now, look at it, it says no line of sight requirements, but I'm telling you, at five gigahertz, if you don't have line of sight, you're not going very far. I mean, it's just not going to happen. So, I, I, I'm very curious to see this thing in operation. And, like Dawn said, what, what's the channel density? How many of them can you put in a space? Or like you said, is it one in a room per city block, and then that's that's all the better you're going to be able to do. So time will tell. Yeah. Matt, when it comes to this, are we are we looking whether it's a house of worship or, or residential? Are these coming? And and you know, we just have to accept the fact that it really it may eventually do this. Oh yeah, yeah, it's coming. It's you know we're getting asked for it. We've installed them. We laugh when we put them in and giggle and Stop watch it. the guys. No, we do because it it just. It kind of works, and then it doesn't, and then it does again, and then the baby monitor goes off, and everything's screwed up, and you're just like, ah! And, and, and that's the, and that's the lower bandwidth compressed version. Right? Exactly. Those are the exactly. lower bandwidth models. So yep. so go to the high bandwidth model and imagine what that's going to do with the interference. No, so I, just, I agree completely. I'm, I'm not seeing it yet. We saw a bunch uh, demoed at Cedia again this year, and, you know, it, one of the – companies that we do sell i went over and talked to the rep and i'm like so you're showing these again have you fixed it he's like fix what <laughs> fix the fact that we can't make it work like 25 feet away like room to room not even outside of one room into another room and i need a bigger thing because you can't see my hands <laughs> um <laughs> but uh you wide know, shot he, matt he just, wide shot i know what back it up <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> My you know, goodness. He, he just kind of looked at me and he was like, no, it works. I'm like, I, yes, I know in the test labs it works. There's lots of things that work in the test Inside labs. Inside a Faraday cage. Exactly. Yeah. But 
in the real world where we're dealing with stuff and not even in you know the population densities that George would have to deal with and stuff like that, um, it's really tough. Mm. And of course, where do we want to use them? We don't want to use them in the lovely rooms where it's you know some two by fours and drywall. We want to use it in the concrete boxes where we can't pull cable. Mm-hmm. It don't work so well. You honestly, you, you know the thing that's worked best for me, and I'm going back to stroke Max Pulling Scott's cable? ego here, is my Apple TV. I do yeah. a lot of presentations with Apple mm-hmm. TV. It looks fabulous. I stream YouTube videos to it from my iPhone. You just can't beat it right now. And and I'm sorry for the, for the money and the reliability of using the Wi-Fi network. I just don't see this getting traction. Well, and the other side, too, is that a lot of the panel manufacturers have continued to upgrade their software to the point of now, even from my iPhone, if I play something on YouTube or even Netflix, it'll pop up and see my network-connected mm-hmm. TVs and ask me if I want to send it to one of those TVs. Not to my Apple TV, but to the actual panel. Right. And the, the ability mm-hmm. to do that will, you know, at some point outweigh everything else. Well, and even um, though there's some latency there, right? I mean, you do have a little bit of latency. The, the spec sheet on here says one, less than one millisecond system latency. Okay. Now, that's great. But how many applications do I need less than one millisecond latency for high-definition video? Yeah, exactly. I, I just mm. Most of the time in the corporate presentation space or even in education space, it's not necessary. No, but if well, you're doing, if you're expecting, here's the thing, if you're expecting 1080p uncompressed video, mm-hmm. you need that, right? Why? Why, why do I care how long it takes to get from my source device to my display? As long as it's as long well, as it's all going at the same time. Well, yeah, that's the thing is right. If it's going it, at the same the time, the only time it becomes an issue is when you have the spikes in latency. Yes, and it mm. spikes up and then slows down. Yes, and you get yes. That, exactly. That text of this is a really 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 good app, and then it slows back down. That's mm-hmm. when you run into issues. But again, you know, for for what this product, <laughs> like right now, <laughs> exactly yeah, like right now. So for what this product is marketed to, you don't really need that. Right. Because again, if you're going to have in in your boardroom, if you're if you need a like a true screening room, you're going to build a stinking streaming room. Yeah. You're not going to go, oh well, maybe we'll buy this wireless piece because that'll be awesome. You're not going to do that. You're going to buy the proper products. And again, if you're working with a good integrator, they're not going to sell you this crap and hope it works. Right. Now I'm not. Wire. I'm not saying this to bash you're, you're, Kramer. I'm actually. I, I'm actually. No, no, you know. I'm giving. Them, I'm giving them kudos for coming up with the product. I'm just not seeing the market for it yet. You know, I just don't feel like the technology's there. No, I see the market for it. I just. Don't, I don't think that it. Not, not when I you see the other the products. Specs. Not when you see the other products that are in the market that are able to deliver high definition video. You know, so I want to know more about where they're really targeting this. You know, is it extremely high end? You know, historic venues where I have to have uncompressed. I just don't see many venues anymore where uncompressed is absolutely mandatory. And see, that's where that's that's the part I don't believe is the uncompressed is the uncompressed right. because even your satellite receiver and your and your cable company is is compressing, right. you know, the, the signal down. So yeah, but now once I have it in my little Cisco box, I want it completely uncompressed. <laughs> All right, From the Don, I'm switching off. Don, 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 Don yes, was Don. Matt, you, you were making a big assumption a couple of minutes ago when you said that uh, you, you know a responsible integrator won't sell you that crap and, <laughs> and, and that you're willing to spend no, the money no, no. because let me tell you, sometimes those hope corporate customers, hope. I love all my corporate customers, but Ooh. sometimes if no. you're not the lowest quote and you're not the lowest, it's like I saw this other solution, I could do it without wires and it's half oh, the price. No, it's like, no, no, no. I, I'm completely aware of that, but I am on a crusade to <laughs> have integrators stop being dumb. Mm. But he's like, oh, but that doesn't mean the guy down the street isn't I, dumb and would I'm not saying me as an integrator. I'm saying integrators in general. I want to see us stop being stupid. Look, I was in a rep meeting the good, other day and I sat that. down and yeah, well, yeah, you know, and uh, we sat down and one of the guys was like, oh yeah, I was just meeting with one of your other guy in town and I'm just like, all right, next time you see him, tell him to stop being stupid. I'm tired <laughs> of fixing this crap. And the reps mouth just dropped to the floor and I'm like. Pick that up, <laughs> and then text. Send them a text, and, and you know, stop doing stupid things because it makes us all look bad. Can can we have the same the same uh, thought for uh, consultants? Is that possible? Yeah. Oh yeah. So. Yeah. Everybody, just no, don't no be consultants dumb. specifically, especially none. Never mind. 
Uh, I almost named one here in St. Louis. Uh, from AV Network. Uh, cables that, cables to go. Nah, I've been threatened before, and never mind. Cables to go launches <laughs> emerging digital AV technologies initiative. Uh, cables to go, which actually is, is they're calling themselves C2G now. C2G, and I, I've, I've used Cable to Go for a lot of years, so I have a lot of respect mm-hmm. for them. They, they rolled out a, a really cool initiative last week during AV Week. Uh, AV Week, the celebration, not AV Week, the show, which is where we stole the name from. Uh, they've got, uh, they have a new, uh, a new education initiative called Five AV Technologies That Will Define the Next Five Years. Uh, so I said this, saw this, I'm like, this is kind of cool. Um, and they uh, they rolled out like I said last week during AV Week. Uh, George, we'll kick it off with you. What is if you had to pick one or two uh, of those five? Not not there specifically, but but one for you. What would be one or two of your you know five technologies that are going to be the number one or number two technologies in AV for the next few years? You know, I, I'm going to be honest here. I didn't even see the article because it's not on my list. What's well, on the list? Well, you had it's to. On my list. I yeah, you, you had to drill into the website. So, did you go through I the? Got the article. Yeah. yeah. So, so what they're saying is um, HDMI, HD Base T, MiraCast, DisplayPort, and MHL. Hmm. Okay. They're well, saying the most influential or the most. I'm saying what what I'm, they're, I'm, they're, they're, <laughs> the technologies that are going to define the next five years that are going to be um, blazing the trails. Unfortunately, it's HDMI, isn't it? Because they've got the lock on it, and they're they're guiding and dictating everything. Correction: from- HDMI does not have a lock. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, you got me there. You can buy a locking HDMI cable. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. yeah, but it's like a piercing screw. And, and what, what's what's that little thing that we got at Infocom two years ago? For, it wasn't two years three, ago. Three it was three years ago. Because yeah. Xtron hasn't <laughs> been for three years. Moving on. All right, George, go ahead. No, I, it's got to be HDMI because I'd love it to be DisplayPort. I'd love it to be Thunderbolt video, but it's not going to be. All right. Mr. Draner, what is your one or two? And it doesn't ha- have to be on the list. I mean, the list is nice, but it, you know, if it's, is it something else? Is it wireless maybe? Even it, though we just, you know. So well, I mean, why, well, that's, and it, that's where, that, that's true. Right. That, that's where the MyraCast <laughs> comes in, right? It's a, it's a point-to-point peering network for like BYOD type environments where you can share device to device. Uh, I, I can see that starting to emerge more and more as we move into uh, greater demands for wireless technology. But I also see the other side of that, and only time's going to tell. As going back to our microphone discussion, as the FCC is cranking down on some of this stuff and takes away more and more bandwidth in that upper end in the microwave bands uh, and in the Wi-Fi bandwidth of the five gigahertz and the uh, 2.4 that starts becoming more compressed. I really see more people going back to the wire than I do going wireless. So I think we're going to see uh, a unique shift. We're going to see this real push toward wireless. People are going to say, hey, this is great, but it's not reliable. Let's go back to a wire. And that's what I see happening over the next five years. Okay. Don, where do you see us from a technology standpoint in the next two or three years? You know, at the end of the day, I don't think it matters to most of our customers and to to us even what's on the end of our our wire here. I you know it, because everything that we've had has had a new evolution. As soon as we get used to you know uh, coax, it goes to the next thing. As soon as we get used to HDMI, it's going to go to the next thing. As soon as we you know it doesn't matter. What's at the end of the wire? There's going to be a wire. I, I agree with you there. I, I don't think that we're going to go completely wireless, but the, the, the more important thing that's going to be driving our industry is not what's at the end of your wire, but how you're using it. And so I what's think the biggest the thing that's going what's to impact, right. It, yeah. I, well, I think what's going to impact the technology in our industry more is things like the rise of the huddle station, the rise of the flipped classroom to, to the BYOD revolution. I think that's really because just since Infocom, when I first heard a couple of those terms, it's every customer we've had, government or otherwise, has asked for it, or we're getting more and more bids for these things. So it's really become more the 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 use is driving the technology than what it what's at the end of the wire. I want to, you know, as long as as long as it works and accomplishes what they need it to, you know, I don't sell equipment, I sell solutions. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't matter what's at the end of my wire, as long as it works and they can huddle or they can flip the classroom or they can hook up their i things and their Android things and make it go. 
that's what's really driving it. Dawn, it's not what I look like. It's not what I look like. It's what's inside that counts. No, not with you. It's not. All right, moving on. Matt Scott, where where are we going to be in three to four years? Just even more so on the network than we already are. Okay. Everything is continuing to go that way. Um, You know, I I do think that we are going to see a lot more use of, you know, Ethernet cables for everything, whether it's HDBC or another, you know, something else that comes down the road. Um, We're just, we're continuing to move farther and further and further towards that completely connected system, whether it's wireless, wired, whatever, that's where we're going to be. Okay. All right, guys, uh, one last story, and then I'll let you uh, get out of here and and get off the Google thing. Um, From ITP.net, what cabling, speaking of cabling, will support 40 gigabyte or gigabit? Um, hmm? Thunderbolt. Thunderbolt, Very nice. Thunderbolt 2. Thunderbolt will not support 40 gigabit, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) The reason I bring this up is I've had a couple conversations with, uh, with both HD base T guys and as, as well as ABB folks in the last couple of weeks, and you start pushing, you know, you, you start looking at 1080p deep color, which is something both AMX and Crestron uh, will go through when they start talking about their twisted pair solutions or their 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 um, infrastructure solutions, because a twisted pair, you're not going to push 1080p deep color. They automatically move you to the, to the fiber solution because of, of the bandwidth limitations. You start jumping from 1080p deep color, which is you know still less than 10 gigs. You start pushing into 4K and 8K. You're quickly getting into 20 and 30 gigabytes, uh, gigabytes infrastructure. Um, so, Michael, we'll, we'll kick this off with you. We're going to need something that, that handles 40 gigabits pretty quickly. I mean, let's, let's say in, in five or six years. That being the case, what are we looking at here? Is it single mode or is it some single mode fiber or is it something completely different? Well, first of all, I think it's going to be closer than the next five years. I mean, we're already seeing aggregation problems at wireless access points. You know, the, the, the APs today can actually transmit and receive at extremely high data rates and support a large number of clients to the point where the existing gigabit connections that we have are no longer sufficient to sustain that. So you take all these APs in a venue bring them back to an access layer switch, and you've got to have a backhaul that's capable of tremendous speed to be able to maintain that bandwidth. So, you know, 40G is coming much sooner than than we think it is. Now, the transport medium, I think that's still debatable, what the medium is going to be. Is it is it copper? Is it optical? What is it? Um, I, I think time is going to tell us that cable manufacturers and the data manufacturers continue to come out with the new technologies and work on their, their R&D. But um, I'm, I think it's going to be much faster than what we initially anticipated. Mm-hmm. Uh, George, rental staging and, and live events, where are we going to be in, in three or four, like maybe Michael said, you know, two years uh, when it comes to 40 gigs? Yeah, fiber. Fiber, okay. At the current moment, you know, the way staging and event staging technologies move, they don't always transition as nearly as fast as the other pro markets because we're traveling. We need something reliable that can be crushed that we can repair very quickly, and we're just learning how to use fiber, so that's where we'll be. Okay. Don, you are you live and breathe in the in the heart of of, of the Beltway. So fiber is almost you know you guys have been doing fiber for a number of years because of security. Is that where you see you guys staying? Is fiber? Of the options available currently, I say definitely fiber. Um, and first of all, if everybody's using fiber, it might finally drive some costs down, so the government won't that be the be only nice. ones able to afford yes. it. Mm-hmm. And um, Google. And Google, yes. Right, exactly. <laughs> so there's some good benefits there if fiber is what we end up. But if I've learned anything in my years in the industry, it's as soon as we adopt something as our standard or the go-to, the next thing's coming out the pike. I mean, this industry yeah. has such a, a development turnaround and stuff that of the available options, definitely fiber. Until but we until we can get to biogenic. Who knows what's going to come out next week? Or yeah, yeah exactly. Who yeah. knows what's going to be next? We right. might come up with something ridiculous like that. So, yeah. it, it, you know, but right now, fiber. I'm with George. All right. Uh, last but not least, do you have uh, fiber in Canada, Matt? <laughs> very, very limited. Very limited. <laughs> um, it, it is in some of our bigger metros, uh, but we don't have it in London yet. Uh, and last I heard, the deployment was still a year to two years away. Just real um, quickly, we don't have it where I live either. So. Yeah, no. Well, yeah. The, you know, the hard thing is that, in all reality, I'm only an hour and a half from Toronto, which is our biggest city, and they have a lot of fiber. We don't. 
it, it still surprises me how long it takes to get through that system. Um, say, but once we, sweetie, I'm 30 minutes from Baltimore and DC, and we don't have fiber in my yeah, county yet. So I know. <laughs> and yet, yet Not I have friends you. in the I have friends in the middle up here of Michigan, and they have stinking fiber to the pole, and now fiber to the house. It's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, it, it, we'll get it at some point, and when we get it, I'll be excited. But until then. I don't really care. But what's the point of putting in the fiber anyway if Verizon and the other providers are going to use up all of our 600 megahertz bandwidth to provide? No, they want both. They want both. <laughs> they want the yeah. they want the the wire and the and the uh, um, just uh, monopolize it all the yeah, way. Yeah, they want they, yeah. they want the whole shebang. And then they're going to throw net neutrality on us and say the only thing you can do is text message and you know whatever. <laughs> all right, yeah. uh, that's going to do it for this week in this uh, interesting episode. Uh, if you guys liked it, let us know. Uh, go by the Facebook page, the the Twitter, the the website, avnation.tv. Send us a message if you liked the hangout thing uh, and the live video, or go to the YouTube channel uh, and make a comment. Um, if and it, if you didn't like it, keep it to yourself. That's right. No one exactly. Wants to complaining. Yes. You know what? No, no, I mean, if it, if it helps for me to wear a mask, or you know, I'll come in with you know, I'll have John Ham. You know, you know, I'll wear a John Ham mask. Get a John Ham mask. Did you I see him get, on the game last night? I did. Yeah, I, I didn't even recognize him with the beard and the hat. Yeah. John Ham, in case you didn't know, it, first of all, he's he's from Mad Men. Secondly, yeah. he's from St. Louis, and he's an avid. St. Louis sports fan. He's been on the St. Louis Blues uh, promos that they've shown here locally. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a huge St. Louis Cardinal fan, uh, and he was there last night when the Cardinals avoided a sweep. Yes, <laughs> That's all yes. I'm going to say at this point is that they avoided a repeat of 2004. So... Uh, that's for my buddy uh, Craig McCormick, uh, who's from Commercial Integrator and a huge Boston Red Sox fan. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys, thank you so much for for joining us. Uh, AB Dawn Dawn Mead has been here. She's uh, she has her own blog, but she also helps us out an awful lot. In her full time gig, she works for Net AV. Uh, how can people find you or, or locate you or read what you've been writing? You can find me on Twitter at AV Dawn Adam Victor D A W N. Um, Theoretically, I have my blog still going, avdawn.com. I have to write something there. It's been a while. I've been busy. And uh, check me out at net-av.com. That's uh, that's where I am during the day. Keep me busy. All right. Uh, next up is George Tucker. George is the engineering, co engineering coordinator for World Stage. Uh, in addition to that, he does an awful lot of stuff here. Where can people find you, sir? I am Tucker Twos. If it's on social media, that's where it is. I'm also now writing for Commercial Integrator and Corporate Tech Decisions, so check my articles out there. All right. Please. Uh, <laughs> yes. And next up is Matt Scott from uh, Omega Audio Video, but you also do some writing as well and some, some social media and stuff, so where can people find you? I do. Uh, I can be found at uh, either Matt D. Scott or Omega Audio Video on pretty much every social device out there. Uh, and I also write for SCN and uh, a little bit for Resi Systems. So you can find me there, too. All right. And last but not least, Michael Drainer. Uh, he works for uh, Sennheiser USA. He's starting to do some writing and stuff. So um, how can people find you, sir? Michael Drainer on Twitter or visit SennheiserUSA.com. And uh, once I get that blog post back out there, we'll uh, see if we can't update my site after oh. a year of sitting idle. Thanks, Don. That would be nice. <laughs> yeah, you, you and me both, brother. You and me both. <laughs> All right. And um, we, we just got a, a, a crazy uh, breaking news, which is kind of something kind of fun to do when, when you're doing a video. Uh, this comes to us from uh, Vadio via Chris Netto. Uh, breaking news, Vadio has announced the first weekly winner of the Vadio Vadio Group Station Contest. Somebody give me a drum roll. Thank you. Uh, Gary David Royce. Um, we'll tweet. We, but that's not me. I know it's not. <laughs> but I really did. I really did like your, did your tweet. Loud? I really did like your tweet because it said she wanted a, 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 to do it for the, the AV Week stuff. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was nice. nice. So we may have to, we have to talk to we'll somebody. We should find somebody. We should we should introduce ourselves to somebody at Vadio. I wonder if we know I somebody. Wonder, at I don't. Man, I, th I, I don't, don't know, know if we know anybody at Vadio, mm. <clears throat> except for maybe Kelly Perkins. <laughs> Kelly Perkins. Kelly Perkins. My fabulous co-host of the. <laughs> yes, indeed. So, all right. So yeah, congratulations to, to him, and we'll we'll retweet that so you can you can. It's a vine, so it's it's a kind of neat vine, and it involves coffee. 
Uh, if you want to follow me, go by uh, Twitter. It's TD Albright, Tim David Albright. But more importantly for me and all the folks here, this is this is my group. These are my peeps. These are the folks that help me uh, do what we do here. Uh, go by the website, avnation.tv. avnation.tv, you'll find this show as well as a host of others. Uh, we just did another education-based uh, podcast this week. We have a social one coming up, a live life, um, all sorts of ones. So, yeah, avnation.tv. Um, yeah, thanks so much for listening. This has been AV Week.